see how these randoms keep getting jobs. Don't worry about it. I'm going to say, I can't wait to say Ah, oh, I love it. Yeah, I love it. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Not Bland Show, and I'm your host, Dujanae Bland, and of course, we're powered by SportsJourney.com. We have a great show for you today. We're going to talk about the Vegas Nationals that was just done, the fifth race of the six playoff races. Boy, man, great action. Some guys and gals pulled their way even closer, and we're going to have a heck of a finish in Pomona. We're going to talk of some pro wrestling today. We're going to talk about Crown Jewel. We're going to talk about the state of wrestling and some people who are emerging and whether they should be holding more prominent titles. Also, we're going to talk about the commanders as we always do because we cover the commanders here and we're going to do that at the end of the show. And we're going to have a super fan Rio Robinson, and I'm super excited to have him on board and talk and give us the fan perspective on how, you know, they think the commanders are doing. If you are looking to watch on Facebook from my page, we're having a bit of an issue. So it is not there. It may be there. I am not seeing it. Um, so I cannot pin it. So if you would go to the not bland Facebook page, Not Bland Show Facebook page, or the YouTube channel at The Not Bland Show. Yep, at The Not Bland Show. Well, as I stated, Vegas Nationals was something special. And before we get into that, I have a little bit of a bone to pick. So for the second straight week, we have had fines levied, and disqualifications happen. In Dallas, Clay Milliken was fined $5,000 and he was disqualified from the race because of having lead shot, which is a ballast to duct tape to the front of his car. Um, they were having some issues with that thing, picking the wheels up uh, and, you know, it fell off the second time, or I believe it was the second time, maybe the third time that it lifted up, fell off there. He was fined for that um, and disqualified. This weekend, I, I believe it's a little ticky-tack, but whatever. Um, you know, you're talking about headers. You're talking about, um, you know, a lot of heat coming off, a, a, a lot of heat, a lot of fire coming out of those headers. And uh, the big run that Robert Height had, he was disqualified because of the headers, because of the heat. And over time, they sag a little bit and they were apparently out of spec. Doesn't mean that they were laid back or anything. They were just out of spec. 
he passed the initial inspection after that run, but they came back, inspected, and disqualified him. So my question is this. Should the NHRA be more transparent with penalties and fines? Absolutely they should. Because the bottom line is this. If you are one of the big boys and you tout yourself for having 27.1 million million fans, you're the biggest sanctioning body, then you should be transparent about what's going on on the racetrack. Because you know what it does when you're transparent? It stops people from speculating. And it stops people who have shows like mine, which I don't care what the fans say, but some of you do, some of you media do, and you go on and you bash the fans for rumor mills. Well, you can cut all the rumors out. By being transparent and letting people know and letting these fans of these racers know what's going on with their driver and why they were disqualified or why they were fined. And the media can be more transparent with the fan base as well. In NASCAR, they have no problem. In any form of other motorsports, they have no problem with letting folks know. And I will say this, those who thought that that fine for, uh, you know, the lead shot was a little bit extensive and overkill. Well, in NASCAR, they not only uh, fine you and disqualify you, but they also suspend your crew chief. And the person who actually did the infraction is also in spin suspended. So in comparison, it's pretty light, pretty light. But yes, the NHRA needs to be more transparent. And we've been talking about this, I don't know, at nauseum. But something has to be done because I know and others, we, we, as a matter of fact, prime example, right at the top end, you have Tasca talking about folks and rumors and saying that they were cheating. Well, you can fix all that nonsense by being transparent. Isn't it that it's that easy? And again, you tout yourself on being the biggest sanctioning body. And you have 27.1 million fans. Those fans want to know about their racers and why they're not, why they've lost points, why they were fined, why they were disqualified and not able to race. They want to know that. Not through so. And if if you continue to do this, the rumor mills will continue. And if you don't want to do that and the rumor mills continue, then don't complain. I don't want to hear from no media complaining about rumor mills. Because it can all stop by just being transparent with us, the media, and especially, more importantly, the fans. Now, let's get to the task at hand. The Vegas Nationals was spectacular. Now, your top five now, top fuel, Steve Torrance at number one, Doug Coletta, 15 points behind him. Leah Pruitt, 34 points out of first. And third, Mike Salinas, your winner, 76 points. And Justin Ashley kind of put himself back in it with 82 points back. He kind of put himself back in this thing. Um, it was very important for him to go as far as he did. It would have been nice if he would have won, but I think he gives himself a shot there. Now, this is your winners. You see Robert Height. Mike Salinas, of course, Erica Enders, and of course, 
Gage Herrera. Not surprised, right? Not surprised at all. <laughs> Those two, we're not going to talk about Pro Stock and Pro Stock Motorcycle. I'm telling you right now, championships are already wrapped up. Erica's getting her sixth, and Gage is getting his first. Simple as that. Uh, it's it's just wild. But we've got some real good stuff going on in Top Fuel. And I will start with Leah Pruitt. It is very unfortunate. You know, out of all of these top five racers, both up to Vegas, she was 11-4 and four round win-loss record. The best out of them all. Doug Coletta is next at 10 and two round win loss record explains why they're at one at two and three right well also explains why she's in three is because she went out first round at insult to injury she was 087 on the tree josh hart was 044 on the tree and she throws away a 3.699 second run at 332 miles per hour i know she had to be sick at the top end. Josh Hart ran a 374-0. <laughs> awful. It had to feel awful, right? But this is what I want from Leah. Do like the great quarterbacks do. Don't worry about it. You can't go on in, can't go into this thing thinking, oh, I, I I can't, I can't be late. I can't be late. I can't be late. Because you know what's going to happen? You're going to be late. And according to the numbers, outside of them going out first round in Vegas, they have the best car coming into this thing. Next best car, who also has been going out in first round and one and one in Vegas, is Doug Coletta. Those are the two surging cars, I should say. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what all pans out here. Uh, going down the list, Mike Salinas, four and four, yet he still finds himself in this thing because he won Vegas going four and oh, obviously, to get the win. Justin Ashley going a distance that he did. He got to the semis. Uh, he is actually uh, one of the worst. Dude was two and four through the first five races or first four races, and now went three and one. Helped him out a little bit. Again, he's got to have all of those bonus points. He's going to have to go in, and if you want to, if you want to do this thing, you're going to have to outrun and beat everybody else that's in front of you. It's going to be difficult because you don't know what side of the ladder these people are going to be on, all of that, but go in, get the little points. It's points and a half. You got to do it. If he can do it, he might have a long shot. I believe he can. But, uh, yeah, that right there under Justin Ashley, if you guys have looked at the points, that's my uh, that's my Nabra line. Everybody under that Nabra, you don't have a chance. Sorry. Um, you know, with all of this now, I do believe your favorite is still Steve Torrance. And you're like, oh, but. You said the two best cars were Doug Coletta and Leah Pruitt. You know, Steve was eight and three in his round win loss record in those first four races. Yet, yet he's still number one. He continues to get the little points. He's just quietly chipping away. 
just quietly chipping away. And yet, outside of Leah jumping, he seems to find his way back up there to the top. So the best way this is going to have to happen is he's got to go out early. And Leah, Doug, Mike, Justin, all have to get those small points. Four qualifying sessions all have to get those small points in qualifying. So that's going to be important. Very important. But I do think Steve-O is the guy. And everything Nitro believes the same thing. Very dangerous hitting into Pomona. I believe so. And I think he's got the right attitude as well. Um, you know, it's going to be a fun, fun ride this this in two weeks in Pomona. And I'm hoping for a cool Pomona. Because, you know, a lot of us like big speeds <laughs> and big ETs. That's what I want to see. You know, Robert, when we talk about Funny Car, this was huge this weekend. Uh, you look at his round win-loss record coming in this thing, he's 8-3 and three coming in to Vegas, and he did what he had to do. Close that gap down, 17 points out, doing a heck of a job this weekend. They were just on a rail. Him and Bob Tasker just throwing punches like a heavyweight fight. Bob Tasca, nine and three coming into this thing uh, in Vegas. You look at the points leader, though, Matt Hagan, 11 and two before Vegas. Went out in the semis. Not bad. Not bad. But I think in this one, you look at the top five. Ron Caps is there. He's 139 points out. Look, Ron Caps is needs to get all the bonus points and then he needs to hope the top three have explosive diarrhea and cannot drop. That's the only way he's going to be winning that thing. He's going to have to get all the points and explosive diarrhea to height, Tasca and Hagen. So the Nabra line, it's at three right there at height. And uh, him and John Forrest don't stand a chance. It's unfortunate, though. It's unfortunate. But at the same time, you got to get it done early. And unfortunately, Ron Caps was 5-4 and four coming into this thing, and he goes out first round in Vegas. Not very good. And in both of those four losses, there's two where he went out in the first round as well. Not good. Not good at all. So this thing here, is going to come down to three drivers. And right now, when you look at it, if you take away all the round win loss records, Height's got a lot of momentum and they love Pomona. But I wouldn't count out. I would not count out Matt Hagan. I think he's still dangerous. But I think the guy who is to watch is Height. It's all on his shoulders, really, because Bob Tasca, I think he's shown that he's capable of doing this thing. Uh, he's very well capable of coming in and taking this thing over. He's done it. He's He's been here. He's been fighting. He's been running big speeds. They're trying to get all those small points, and that's exactly what matters, the small points. And they've been doing just that. So I'm really looking forward to Top Fuel and Funny Car and these, uh, these fights here. And uh, – yeah, tune in, ladies and gentlemen. It's the In-N-Out Burger Finals, World Finals, 
And it's going to be on Sunday, November 12th, 4 p.m. Eastern on Fox. And guess what? Guess what surprise we got today in the SEMA show. Thank you, Fox, uh, for doing that on YouTube. But guess who we got coming in to Pomona? That's right. It's your boy, Dale Worsham. He's going to be driving at Pomona. That Toyota Supra looks pretty good, and I'm super excited. One of my favorite drivers of all time. Um, I hope I hope we see him next year. I don't know if this is just a one-off, but uh, Dale Worsham can throw down with the best of them. It's going to be super cool to see him out there, and uh, man, I can't wait now. Another guy who could be a spoiler. <laughs> I mean, as if they need more, right? It's going to be awesome. I'm looking forward to it. And uh, you guys should be too, man. This is going to be uh, one heck of a world of finals that we're going to see here in Pomona. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to be it for the NHRA talk again. Make sure you catch that. Mark your calendars. It's going to be something special to watch coming in uh, to this last race of the season. Well, now we're going to get into our wrestling talk, pro wrestling talk. And I got to do this. The champ is here. I bring in the, champ is here. the man who does the everything for the champ is here. The champ is here. The champ is it's here. It's my guy. The champ. The champ is here. One half of the No Spots podcast. Woo. Let's go. What's up, baby? Hold on. I, I got to do this. I got to do this. Finally, the champ has come back to the Not Bland Show. Yes, sir. I had to do it. I had to do it. Man, What's going on, DJ? Good. How you doing tonight? It's I'm having a blast. You know, I got a chance to do uh, my NHRA stuff. This is the first time I've done it on my own for a while, like I was doing it on Ghostcast. You know, still a little rusty. I felt a little rusty. But, um, man, having a blast and... I'm having a blast watching wrestling and the state of wrestling. And I'll start with Abs WWE. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Absolutely. I mean, my here's my thing. And I thought about this because uh, uh, you already know what's going on. But for your viewers and listeners, like my father's currently in the hospital. And I actually went to go visit him today. And I was thinking about this on the way up to the hospital and that – People don't understand. If you're not a wrestling fan at this current present time, you're missing out. This has been the best era of wrestling since the Attitude Era. I mean, because of the, the options that are available, you can have the big two of WWE and AEW. You have other options like Impact, MLW, New Japan, uh, things like that. Uh, you have indie uh, promotions like GCW, uh, Game 
game uh, like game changer uh you also have other local indies like right now the shirt that i'm wearing for your viewers that are watching this is a local indie that's uh based here in the dc in the dmv fight club pro wrestling um and w they actually were one of the first indies uh feds that really put a current superstar who's been killing it in ROH and in New Japan, Trisha Dore, she's been currently killing it. She actually was their first Pan-African World Diaspora Wrestling Champion. She just lost the championship uh, a couple weeks ago after holding it for over three years. She held that championship for over three years. She won it just before the pandemic hit in February of 2020, and she just lost it a couple weeks ago after a very, very long reign. But wrestling right now is in its best place right now. It really is. It really is. Um, you know, I, I'm very impressed with what's going on. This is what we needed a long time ago. Um, you got to have... You got to have competition and I understand, you know, Vince, what Vince did, you know, that's nice, but it got stale when it wasn't, when it was just them, they weren't being pushed. Um, and right now, you know, the state of wrestling is just, it, it's, it is a pleasure. It's so much of it. I, I can't even catch it all. Um, but it, it is, it is a pleasure. And the WWE is coming in to its crown jewel. And most of the time, it appears to be just, uh, you know, something they like to do. Uh, usually, there's not too many title changes. In this particular crown jewel, there's a lot of pretty decent and nice matchups. Do you see any title changes happening in crown jewel? Let's see. There are four championships on the line the top two men's championships and the top two women's championships. If I were to foresee a title change, it would most likely be the WWE Women's Championship. Now that Bianca Belair is back, I think they might put the strap back on her. Not to say that EO Sky has not had a good title run. She's had a pretty good title run, but I think that it's gotten to the point Bianca is a very popular superstar, and I think that she'll be the one to end it at Crown Jewel, but I think that'll be the only title change that'll happen. I don't foresee Drew winning the world heavyweight title because there's still the rumors that he still has a re-sign with WWE and I don't think they're going to put the title on him unless he's re-signed already. There's no LA Knight as popular as he is, there's no way that they're going to take a chance to have him be the one to uh the throne Roman Reigns three and a half year uh, reign as champion and stuff like that and then Rhea Ripley's got four women in there but out of those four women I don't see none of them dethroning Rhea Ripley as the champion she's been doing a phenomenal job as the women's world champion and I think that that's going to continue but I think Bianca will be the only person that has a title change this coming weekend when she beats EL Sky yeah I had that feeling too uh after watching her promo and I was like you know her coming back and I was like, uh-oh, um, this might not be good for EO. <laughs> mm -hmm. This might not be good for her. Um, and you're right. She is uh, one heck of uh, a champion. And, and even without the championship, uh, she's still a, a pulverizing force within the, yes. the women's division. Yes, absolutely she is. Now, you brought up L.A. Knight, and I appreciate that. Because L.A. Knight is my new rock. Uh, he is really starting to come into his own. Uh, they're really starting to let him do his thing. 
I, like you said, don't see him beating Roman. Uh, that's not going to happen. Uh, that reign will continue. The tribal chief will continue on. But I do believe L.A. Knight should possess a title. Which title should L.A. Knight possess? I think the U.S. because he's on SmackDown, and I mean it would be it would be advantageous for Triple H and company to switch him over to Raw and have him go after Walter, aka oh, well, formerly Walter, now Gunter, uh, and the IC title as he's already set the newest record for or the longest reign with that championship. I think it would be advantageous to have him go from trying to challenge a three-plus year reign as world champion to someone who's held the Intercontinental Champion for almost two years. Uh, and say, oh, he can beat him. I think it would be much more uh, doable and feasible for him to go after the U.S. title. Uh, I know that Rey Mysterio currently hurt, holds that championship, but there's possibility that he could lose that. I forgot. He's that's right. Rey is defending that championship against Logan Paul, and he's not right. going to lose the championship nah, to Logan Paul. I completely forgot about that match, but yeah, he's not losing Logan Paul. But Logan Paul's going to put on a good match. Let's oh. not get that twisted. Logan Paul's going to put on a really good match. We may hate his antics and his attitude and stuff, but that man really put has put in the work when it comes to being a wrestler. Even though he only comes in here and there, he puts in the work, and he goes out and he has really good matches. So him and Ray are going to work really good, but Ray's going to retain. But LA Knight, I think, should possess the U.S. title. Yeah, I think so. I think he's, you know, that would be a good baseline. Um, I think he has the personality, the charisma. He's definitely over. Um, there's no doubt about that. So, yeah, I, I agree with that. I'd like to see him possess that as well. And, uh, yeah, big, you know, I don't care, love him or hate him. Um, the one thing you got to do is respect him because Paul comes, comes in and he, he's not making a mockery of the sport. Um, he's learned and he takes risks. He puts on he puts on a show um, and it's clear that he's clearly not just come in and been a name, but he's actually worked on his craft and kind of transformed himself into a wrestler. <laughs> so I will uh, say this. I, I love thing. I love the fact that WWE didn't try to continue to push him as a baby face because he just yes. it just didn't fit him and his personality. It just didn't fit. And that's the one thing people got to understand when it comes to professional wrestling. And even Seth Rollins said this in an interview is like a lot of these like alignments of baby face and in heel. It's it's all relative, but it's all based basically when having one of these alignments is based, but it's a largely based on your personality and how you really are like when i did backyard wrestling i was much better as a heel than uh, than as a baby face even though i preferred to be a baby face but i do have those tendencies to be an asshole so <laughs> <laughs> so it seems like being a heel was more natural to me than being a baby face and in wrestling it's much easier to get people to hate you than to get them to love you Right. So that's that's the, that's why I think that when they finally had Logan Paul be a, a heel, it just was a perfect fit because more people hate this man than they love him, and it works out perfectly. Right, Gunther. How long is yes. he going to hold this title? I mean, he he has been what uh, Miz has been to this title. Uh, I would dare say he's elevated it to a different level, but but it's a little different because he's just, he's a menacing guy. 
and just he's just not a big guy. He does really good work in the ring. And uh, as that heel, he's really taking that title to a different level. How long do you think he's going to hold that, though? First of all, I want to st you know state to your viewers and your listeners, like if you really want to see the essence of Gunter eight uh, or we, me and Sif call him Walter. We don't call him by this name. We still call him <laughs> Walter, which is what he came in with, right? right? And that's what we know him as. But if you really want to understand the essence of the fighting, of the of the toughness and the physicality of Walter, go try go on the Peacock. And look up past NXT UK episodes, particularly his NXT championship match against Ilya Dragunov during the pandemic. Uh, I'm gonna tell you something. That was one of that was both myself and Sis top ten match of the year. And they had they went they got that physical and that tough with each other in front of nobody. <laughs> you they fought like they fought like they were in Wembley Stadium the way they beat the crap out of each other and there was right. no one in there like it was an empty BT studios and they beat the crap out you can hear every chop you can hear every forearm you can hear every blow that they had because there was no one in there except the commentary team producers and cameramen and they beat the crap out of each other when it comes to his title reign it looks like they're lining him up for the Miz because the Miz hasn't done Jack. And apparently according to Mark Henry, a busted open radio, he wants to see a baby face, uh, Miz. I got to say this. I respect Mark Henry. He's a hall of famer. He's done a lot, especially for African-American wrestlers, but I highly disagree with him to the fullest. Miz not is me. not a, no, Miz is not a baby face. Like, now here's my thing. If he can keep some of his heelish auras, his heelish tendencies. Like an MJF? But can, right, exactly. If he can keep that, but still be more of a crowd, you know, be, you know, driven by the crowd, I think that kind of baby face role would work. But him being a full-on baby face just doesn't work. They've tried it at least two or three times in his career, and it's flopped. Yeah, it is flopped. Whereas as a heel, he's flourished. But I think if they line him up against against Walter, he will be the babyface in that equation because they boo the crap out of Walter, so they're going to cheer Miz, especially right. because of the fact that the Miz eviscerated him on the mic on Raw. Y'all, like I saw that he got he he got Walter out of here on the mic, and that's one it's of the great hard. things about the Miz. He's a great he's great on the microphone. Like he is yes. one of the best on the microphone. And yeah. I think that if there's a program between Miz and and Walter. Walter may win inside the ring, but when it comes to promos, he's getting eight. Yeah, big time. Now, this this whole bloodline thing has been that that's been my deal. Uh, it's probably the best thing going in WWE today. And of course, uh, the man himself, John Cena, comes back and gets himself involved. Uh, we're gonna have a match here at Crown Jewel against the enforcer what do you think i got a feeling that john cena gets a w do you think that's possible he is going to get a w they're playing up to the storyline that he hasn't gotten a singles win on tv since 2018 or 2019 they've been playing that up a lot which means that they're leaning towards he's going to get a victory because i don't think he's retiring yet and typically no. tradition in, in wrestling is when you retire you go out on your back meaning you lose and i don't think this is going to be the last match he's going to have so i don't think he's losing this one and it would you know nothing again i i feel like 
they they basically lob they basically put made this as a as a as a lob lob ball that Cena could just knock right out the park with the storyline that he hasn't gotten a televised singles win in a few years. So what better time to do it than against someone who seems unstoppable like a solo Sokoa who is a part of the bloodline? I think it would be a, a crazy story, and I think that it would get it would garner a huge response from the crowd in uh in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia with John Cena getting that victory over Sola Sokoa. I think that that's what they're going to, that's the direction they're going to go. I wouldn't be surprised though, if they continue his losing streak and have him lose a solo. But yeah. I think that John Cena wins. I, I got that feeling as well. Um, I think it's going to be a pretty good show. Crown Jewel. I think it's going to be pretty good this year. And uh, I'm actually looking forward to it this time. Um, mm-hmm. Now, AEW is really starting to, to really ramp up and it really got hot uh when our guy adam copeland aka edge showed up um and i've i've asked you this before you know off off the air but uh what is what does this mean for AEW when a guy like this uh comes over and is so willing and man his expression in that photo is exactly how he's been it's just been it's almost like he's been uh, rejuvenated a bit. What does this mean for AEW that a guy of his stature would come over and, and be a part of this? This is the fourth. This is the fourth WWE Hall of Famer that is on AEW's roster and the third active wrestler that's a WWE Hall of Famer behind Sting and Jeff Jarrett. The amount of knowledge and the amount of experience that Adam Copeland brings to that locker room is uh, is immeasurable. Like this dude, and he's one of the nicest guys in the in in the, in the business. And I know that he is. I'm pretty sure that he's had a few uh, of the younger talent come up to him and you know get, glean some of the knowledge that he has. And the other thing that is is that he felt he said this in an interview that the reason why he did leave WWE and make the transition to AEW is that he felt he did everything he could in WWE. He won every championship he could there. He was a multi-time world champion. Hall of Famer, Tag Champ, uh, all that stuff. And he felt he did everything he could there, and there was nothing else to it. And even when he wanted to work full-time with WWE, they wouldn't. They had his contract where he only had a couple matches per year and stuff like that, and that wasn't fulfilling for him. So he wanted to come somewhere where he could show up every week, whether he was wrestling, whether he did a, a segment, what have you, show up every week and be present and that's what is what's going on with him right now and i think that's what uh he wanted he wants to close out his career being much more active and being able to do things and i think that his uh his little storyline with christian i think is going to be a very interesting one because when christian came out and when he was asked to team with him and he told him to go f himself i thought that was the greatest thing in the world yeah (laughs) me too you know and i just thought like you know, the look on his face and everything. It's going to be interesting to see if somewhere down the road, Christian makes that turn and we get the re- reuniting of E and C in AEW. That's going to be epic. Imagine E and C together against FTR. Against Man. the Young Bucks. <laughs> I mean, against, against the guns. Again, There are so many tag teams that didn't go. 
I'm telling you, it's it's cap. It's gonna and the great thing about AEW, they're gonna slow burn the hell out of this, and I'm I'm so here for it. I'm so here for it because I'm a fan of slow burn long term storytelling. I'm not a microwave storyline guy. I hate it because I don't feel satisfied when I get the result too fast. I want them to absolutely ride this thing all the way out as much as they can until they feel it's the right time to pull the trigger and say, boom, it's time. Yeah, um, and that that's something that WWE has been doing way too much of in years past, just blowing through storylines, and then you're like, you know, people are out of work, and you're like, I don't have anything for this guy. Well, you kind of ruined it because you got through the story in four weeks. Like, there was more meat on the bone, and you, you left it there. Um, you know, I, I'm really pretty excited about Sting <laughs> and Ric Flair hanging out with Sting uh, well, as I'll he tell you what. closes out his career. I mean, this is gonna be uh, this is gonna be a riot. Let me, I'll tell you what, Tony Khan has caught a lot of flack online because about a week and a half, two weeks prior to Ric Flair walking that aisle, front styling and profiling, Tony Khan called out Vince McMahon for being a pervert, and yet he signs Ric Flair who they were going to sign him a, co- a year and a half ago, but then that Plane Ride from Hell episode of uh, Dark Side of the Ring came out, and they said, yeah, we got to back off this one because right. Ric Flair got dragged through the coals because of that, of that episode, and they didn't want nothing to do with him. They had to wait for the heat to die down, and then they brought him in, but then <coughs> the, time, the timing of that was absolutely horrible because literally – Couple weeks prior to that, TK went and called out Vince for it. What what got him to retire in the first place? And it's just like, TK, I'm going to need you to put your phone down and just stop tweeting for a little while. Just just stop. Just just don't tweet. If you're going to, exactly. only thing you should tweet is advertisements of your shows. That's it. Don't tweet anything else. Just go. Hey, we got dynamite. It's here. It's at this time. It's on TVS. We're doing this, and that's it. Don't tweet nothing else. Just stop. Just stop tweeting. He's about as bad as Donald Trump before they kicked him off the platform. Yeah, he, it's he, bad. He, he does too much, man. He does way too much. Sith uh, gets on his case all the time on the podcast. <laughs> when he, especially when he, when CK goes out and tweets stupid shit, Sith gets on his ass, boy. Like Sith hates it. His social ridiculous. media actually is it's wild. It's wild. It's wild. Now, Swerve has been doing an excellent job. Really started coming into his own here. Deserve does Swerve deserve to hold one of these major titles? He deserves to be TNT champion at the very minimum. At the very minimum, he deserves to be TNT champion. Ever since he turned heel on Keith Lee and formed uh, the Mogul Embassy, first was the Mogul Affiliates, and now it's the Mogul Embassy. The man has just been absolutely on fire. And one of the things he credited, he credited in an interview that his you know you know him rapping has been a benefit to his promo work because it's all basically relative because with a, right. with rapping you got to come up with similes and mel- metaphors for your bars in pro- doing a promo it's the same thing yeah. it's the same exact thing it's similes metaphors wordplay and he's you know being a rapper be him being a rapper was able to benefit him in um in in doing those promos that that crap that shit he did with uh hang being a hangman's house was some of the best work i've seen and i said this on the podcast i said doing home invasion angles it's hit or miss it is you can it either really hit is. it out the you can either hit it out the ballpark 
or you swing so hard you miss, you spin around, you fall, you hit yourself upside the head with the bat. Exactly. That's there's no middle ground when it comes to home invasion angles on in wrestling. It's either you do it absolutely spot on or you fail miserably. Yeah. This hit spot on especially when you have prince nana that's like boss we gotta go he's being the nervous you know associate and sir is just like he just doesn't give a damn and it just it was everything about it was perfect so if i if swerve were to hold a championship in aew at minimum tnt champion i agree i agree um and i before i get you out of here one more question here nwa is going to the cw how big is this for wrestling the NWA will be on a major network. That's huge. That's huge because they've been doing some really good things since they were revived back in 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, they've been doing some really good things. And I um, I admittedly, I was following it uh, when it hit YouTube because they used to have their free their show. Uh, it was Power back then on, uh, on YouTube for free. And it was air at 7.05 Eastern time. It was streamed live at 7.05 Eastern. And I would sit there watching. But then when they took their show to fight, because they had to recoup because they were down for about a year because of the pandemic, they took their their show to fight where you had to pay to watch it. And I stopped watching it. But I still kind of paid attention to what's going on and things like that. But I think this is huge for that, for that, that Fed to be able to be on a network like the CW because... Every almost every household in America has some form of the CW network. Yes. Yes. Okay, so that means they're going to hit a lot of homes. The only thing that I I I I hope is that they are able to have a good enough promotional uh, package to be able to get it out there to say, hey, watch us on your local CW affiliate because yes. we're going to be here at this time and things like that. Because if they don't put the word out in a proper fashion, they're not going to get the traction that they need to get uh, people to watch it on the CW. Like, I'm pretty sure I have the CW. I just don't know what channel it is here in D.C. Because right. it used to be CW50, but it uh-huh. may be CW something else. You know what I'm saying? But exactly. if I'm, t- I'm going to tell you like this. The day that they premiere on the CW, I will make sure my DVR is set, and I will be watching it, and it may end up being a part of the podcast. I'm just putting it out there. That'll work. That'll work. Uh, champ. Tell them where they can follow you at. Tell them where they can find your show as well. Yes, uh, you can check out the No Spots uh, podcast. We are on Spotify and we are on Amazon Music. We also stream the recording of the podcast live on Twitch, twitch.tv slash true no spots pod. We are also on Facebook at uh, facebook.com slash no spots pod. We are also on Twitter. I have the handle underneath uh, my nameplate there at true no spots pod. And you can find us on TikTok at TikTok, uh, tiktok.com slash at true no spots pod and you can follow my co-host De- uh, dan the dark lord sith at true sith dan 74 on twitter and on twitch he is very good with re- with promos for the podcast and random thoughts be it pop culture wrestling what have you and things like that we usually stream our podcast on sundays unless it's a pay-per-view weekend at which point it's either fridays or saturdays we also do live reactions to pay-per-views on our Twitch channel exclusively, DJ's usually a, a part of the uh, of the chat and, and yes. chiming in with stuff. So make sure you check that out. We're always looking for new people to come in and interact with us. It's always a fun time as always. So appreciate you guys uh, listening, and I appreciate my guy DJ for having me on. I've known this man for quite a while, and uh, 
only until like a couple years ago that I knew he was a wrestling fan. So that's what made us a lot more tight to the fact that we're both uh, fans of football. We're both fans of wrestling. So there you go. Appreciate you as always. No problem, brother. And uh, I'll be talking to you soon. Absolutely. A big shout out to my boy, Robbie, who's watching on your on Twitch right now, man. Big yes, shout sir. out to him. We work with him on Sports on the Hill. It's always a great time. But appreciate y'all yes, having sir. me. Yes, sir. See you. See you soon, bro. See you soon. And that was the champ. And now, without further ado, we have our Washington Commanders super fan. This guy does fantastic, fantastic work over there on YouTube. You guys need to follow his channel. He will definitely let you know where that is. My guy, Rio Robinson. What's going on, buddy? What's going on, man? It's a new day in Washington for sure. We shook <laughs> some things up today, not to a lot of people's liking, but I'm actually on the other side when it comes to what Washington was doing yesterday. Yeah, um, and, and we'll jump right into that because um, initially – I was like, whoa, what are we doing? Why are they doing this? It doesn't make sense. You know, I was even talking to, uh, you know, my guy, my brother, Lake. And we were having conversations about this. But I'm telling you, this trade with Montez Sweat and Chase Young, I'll to ask you first, uh, was it the right move for ownership? I believe so. I believe so from my fan perspective. I've always asked this team to have foresight, to operate with foresight, with vision, and have a plan for the future. And I've also asked for them to do it right, like an owner hire a head of football operations, and for that guy to hire a general manager. And for in combination, they hire a head coach, and the head coach hires the staff. That is all what is coming into formation when the season comes to end here because Ron and company are cooked. They know they're cooked, yes. and these were not Ron decisions. These were new ownership and new analytics guy and possibly executive being tampered with who's going to have this job at the end of the season. So I get it. One guy they wanted to do a deal with, Montez Sweat. Another guy they wanted to get out of here and wanted to take whatever they could get for him because it just did not work out here in Washington. And yeah. you hate to lose these guys, their mainstays, they're, they have name value and name recognition that fans learn to love and buy jerseys for. But in the grand scheme of things, I get it. I get it. We did the four first rounds on one room, defensive line room thing for years. We yep. were bad with them. We will be fine without them. That's how I feel about it ultimately. Yeah. Um, you know, at first I was like, well, wait a minute. Why are they making these trades? Why are they allowing them to do this? And then, uh, you know, I started thinking a little bit. And as me and Lake were talking, I'm like, okay, this has to be coming from ownership. And straight out the gate, I mean, you know, Chase is a bit a bit of a prima donna. And on top of that, uh, you know, there is his nightlife. He loves his nightlife. And, I call him Mr. U Street. I called him and Tez the U Street boys, man. Yeah. I mean, it's and I don't think when you're talking about a guy like Magic who wants to win and uh, Magic wasn't about that nonsense if he wasn't winning um, and he doesn't. I, I'm thinking, too, that they don't appreciate that either. Uh, you look at Chase Young and then I think about James Harden, who uh, Josh Harris sent up out of there. 
and yeah. sent them over to uh to uh LA. Um I'm thinking, yeah, I, I felt like they could have gotten a two, but when you start thinking about okay, the guy's been out for 14 weeks, uh he's just come back now, he has looked good, but there's still a question of whether he can go through a full season without having an injury. I get it. And sometimes you got to take what you can get. And uh, it's better than like we've seen this team do time and time again. We hold on to them. They hold on to them and hold on to them and hold on to them. Oh, we're going to get a contract done. We're going to get a contract done. No, we don't. And then you <laughs> don't and you get a stupid compensatory pick. Yay. Yep. <laughs> and that second for sweat it's huge. is excellent. Huge. Because it's not just you know it's going to be a top pick. Yeah, because it's not gonna. It's not just any second round pick. It's the Chicago. The Chicago Bears are starting a Shepherd quarterback right now. Shout out to Shepherd, by the way. They're a D two powerhouse. Shout out to Shepherd. They're starting a D two quarterback, and they're the Bears with a head coach in a lame duck situation, similar to our head coach. So that pick is going to be anywhere from thirty three to thirty seven. That's where that pick's going to be, which is right smack next to the first round. And they say there's at least forty first round talents usually in the draft so you they said it. this draft is going to be deep mm -hmm. and i and i also thought about too now don't let don't let caleb williams or shador sanders i don't think shador is going to come out this year i think he told him he's going to finish school first he needs to go back anyway he needs one more year when the colorado has a line and he can actually he can build himself up to be a top five pick so definitely but i i think if caleb williams is there Sam, Sam might be a backup. <laughs> it on because Sam, Sam may do like Sam is like as much as I'm very critical on all players objectively. Like my whole thing is right. I don't care who you are on the roster. I'm a fan first of the team, the name on the front of the jersey, not the back of the jersey. But Sam has done a lot of good things, and Sam is in like the top ten in a lot of QB metrics right now, and mm -hmm. I can't scoff at that because the only quarterback I've ever seen in my lifetime do it here was Kirk. Kirk was the only consistent quarterback Agreed. we've had here. So I'm not going to scoff at what Sam's doing right now. Right. We may need to just build the line. And I love the two top tackles in this class. I would do whatever it takes to get Olu Fashanu or Joe Alt from Notre Dame Agreed. and Penn State. I would do Agreed. anything to get that. And having more ammunition, two seconds, two-thirds, possibly – three or four picks in the top 50 to 60 of the draft. That is not something you scoff at. We got value. We got ahead of something. I get it. And usually teams, they start to perform a little bit better when you shake up the roster mid season. So we'll see what turns out this week. Agreed. Uh, I, you know, everything about what happened was a, a breath of fresh air. It seemed mm -hmm. like you said, foresight. And mm -hmm. I do, I agree with you with Sam. Uh, the way he played, even throughout these losses, the guy's been taking a lot of hits, but he doesn't get rattled when he makes a mistake. The yep. interception, he comes right back and, and drives down. What they did to kind of shake up the offensive line a little bit, which I, I still think that I think they need to go and put Lucas to the inside uh, in this in this particular game here with New England. But, I man, what he's done – like you said, we haven't seen since Kirk. And I I am a guy that I know a lot of people talk about whether we should whether that Sam Howe should be kept or whatever, but I, I like him and I think you should build around him because he hasn't really given you any reason not to. And yeah, you can look at some of the not times when he didn't perform, but man, 
the guy had 40 sacks coming into, <laughs> you know, coming into last week, I believe. Yeah, he's, and he got he, one. He's, He's a he's a huge catch twenty two. He has a lot of Josh Allen itis. Where that he looks great or he looks terrible, and <laughs> we're gonna find out what he is when we know what the in between is. Because right. it, it, it's one or the other. It's drastically one or the other. He's lighting you up for three hundred and multi touchdowns, or it looks bad and the offense can't move and. He looks completely lost, and he's walking into a lot of sacks. He is yeah. responsible for a good majority of the 100%. sacks that have taken place. The line, they definitely get their share of the blame pie, but Sam, lack of awareness and lack of feel and instincts in the pocket have led to a lot of sacks this year. But I want to see these next nine weeks matter a lot because when you bring in a new front office – they're going to do things their way. So mm -hmm. they don't have to keep anybody. Well, Sam's nope. on the contract for two more years with a fifth-round contract. They can easily say, you're going to back up whoever we bring in. But there is definitely something to look for here in this guy because when he's on, he looks as good as most quarterbacks in the league do. Agreed. And when he's off, the combination of him and Eric Bieniemy just look like it's too much for them at times. So I we agree. need to find out consistently what that in-between looks like because that's most of what we're going to see for the most part. And we're going to get right into that right here. How much time does Ron Rivera and old Jack Del Rio have now? Nine weeks. They got nine weeks. Like, I know the Raiders got the firings going last night at about <laughs> 1 a.m. Eastern Standard where they fired Jack McDan Jack Josh McDaniels and Ziggler. They fired the coach and the GM late night on Halloween. Like, <laughs> my, my, my. They got it going. They couldn't wait anymore. I think Josh Harrison company, they the whole world knows what's happening to Ron and company at the end of the season, including Martin Mayhew, Marty Herney, the all the front office staff he brought in. That's yep. all leaving on Black Monday, January, what is it, January 8th or January 9th, 2024. Yeah. So they have about nine, ten weeks to, you know what I'm saying, finish what they started and put a bow on their era of mid here in Washington because that's what it's been. It's been a bunch of mid, and that's the worst place you could be in the league. Absolutely. You want to you be bad or you want to be good because there's a reward for both of them, and there is not a reward for standing still and being in that gray area called purgatory, which Washington has been in the entire Ron and Jack era. They got nine weeks left. Now, here's my philosophy, though. I'm going to throw this at you. Okay. So – me personally, I felt like Ron should have been going for, gone four weeks ago, and I feel like Jack should have been gone. At, he shouldn't have even been here at the beginning of the season. A year but <laughs> here we are. Mm -hmm. So now we go. They're gonna go into New England. If they go now, I think this might provide a little bit of an oomph on the defensive side. There's a lot of guys that are gonna play that I really like, mm -hmm. especially at the linebacker position. But let, if they go in there to lose, my thing is you already done sent Chase and Montez out of here. Uh, you got a guy in the enemy who has won Super Bowls. Let them two jokers walk because I, I would hate to think that they would lose the locker room at this point. Let them jokers walk. Promote EB as the head coach interim. And then you can promote one of your linebackers. I think it's the uh, – you can promote Russ. the assistant. Yep. Steve Russ. Promote him as your DC. 
And let's see what, as as an ownership, I'm thinking, let me see what I have and a guy like Eric Bieniemy and see if he can actually do the job. I get that. Like, and and honestly, I've been over Ron and Del Rio, so I get it. Like, I would I would have fired them after the Chicago game. <laughs> yes. I was there that Long. night on Amazon Prime for the whole world to see <laughs> when our black uniforms on. The Chicago Bears came into Washington one and four and tore us up, put forty on our head tops on national television for the whole world to see. So that would have been the night that did it for me after in front yeah. of a fold out crowd. I don't get mad as the media. I was pissed. <laughs> I was pissed that night. Who signed up to work for that? Like, that's just a terrible product to speak about. The Bears? Awful. Awful. You let a team like, come on, man. Everflus. A team coached by Matt Everflus came and stumped y'all. And then they got right back to looking like the Bears as soon as exactly. they left Washington the next week. <laughs> I, I tweeted out that night. I said, y'all, if you want to get right, Come on to Washington. Slump busters, we got baby. you. Yep. <laughs> yep. Slump busters. That's what we do here in D.C. But might as well. they. You might as well give E.B. a quasi-audition to be a head coach for the rest of the season. Elevate. If you really want to put some fan recognition and name value on it, elevate Ryan Kerrigan to defensive coordinator. That'll get the fans happy. That's I'm our guy. You. That's heartbreak Kerrigan. We love him. Yep. If you really want to get, elevate him and make EB the interim head coach, we might as well see because we already know what this team looks like when it's ran by Ron and Jack. Exactly. And, uh, you know, I don't, my thought process is if he can keep the offense going, and, and again, new ownership, they have a little bit of foresight. Um, they probably already have in mind who their general manager is going to be and all that. They're already, and I'm sure they're not going to choose a coach without that general manager or those in charge. To be they to better that. be choosing the coach. Or we're, yeah. If they're not choosing the coach, we're doing Dan Snyder things 2.0. Exactly. So the people that are going to be brought in in January, they need to be the ones picking the coach in collaboration with the owner, right? If he, yes. If he does a good job, though, on the offensive side, is that somebody you think they they would retain, being that he does have Super Bowl acumen, he has a resume that is proven and tried, and if the offense continues to improve week to week, it, From, you know yeah. I know it's a toss up, and I understand there's new ownership, and they really ain't tied to anybody, but do you give them a shot? I, as a, from a fan's perspective, I can see why fans would want that and we would feel he at least qualifies for that chance. But also, I've seen a lot of inconsistencies from EB as a play caller. And I think a lot of the sacks and a lot of the struggles and shortcomings of the offense so far have to do with scheme. He needs to find a way to exhibit balance because yes. it's either we're passing on you or we can't do anything. There is no kind of run design that gets our running backs out in space and that creates like, there's no balance. It's no either balance. Sam throws it 50 times or we look terrible. We look bad. There's nothing we can do about it. He's running for his life in the pocket because we're a one trick, one dimensional team that can be a real problem when you play against the weak Martindales and what we got coming up Sunday, Bill Belichick. Oh, yeah. Bill Belichick is the ultimate 
stifler of young quarterbacks. Young quarterbacks go to die versus Bill Belichick. <laughs> he is going to send every exile. He's going to send blitzes from places young quarterbacks don't know currently exist on a football field. And that scares me about this game, despite mm-hmm. the fact that the Patriots are terrible. I believe they have the worst record in the AFC right now, and it's for a reason. That team is bad right now. That team is has a lack of talent, but EB has to show me a lot more. He has to show me more than Sam has to show me because Sam is at least 23 years old and technically a rookie-ish. He's not a rookie. He's a rookie adjacent. So yes. I understand some of the young quarterback things, but EB is 54 years old. EB, this is not his first rodeo. He's been in this league for a long time. He's seen a lot of things. I need to show – you need to show me why you went on – 15 interviews and why you deserve to get one of those jobs if we're going to give you that audition. It sounds good from a fan's perspective, but from the business side of things, the business guys you bring in to run the front office, head of football ops, GM, they're not coming in and thinking about inheriting anything no. you already got there because you hired me to create and build this team in my vision. My vision doesn't fall in line necessarily with all that you already put there. So if Sam is really that guy, we can, he better be able to work with whoever we hire as a coach because third system in three years, that's like quarterback hell. But Mm -hmm. from the business side of things, it don't work. It don't work as easy and as cut and dry or black and white as just let EB cook. Yeah. I, I, you know, in thinking about it all, we, as media, as fans, we've seen this before. Mm-hmm. We've seen this. Okay, well, this guy has this resume. We're going to keep him and promote him to coach, and then we're going to let him build everything behind that. Yep. And yet we see, like you said, there's inconsistencies. He has Jay Gruden tendencies. Mm-hmm. He go away, he go, something's working, you go away from it, and you – Go off into left field. Yeah, too. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I hate to say it. <laughs> but it's, hey, the body of work is the body of work. I mean, they threw the ball 52 times last week. Yep. You can't throw the ball 52 times against a Bill Belichick team. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's going to be cold, I believe. Oh, yeah. There. That wind chill in D.C. today was still like a 30-degree wind chill today. <laughs> I'm here in South Florida, and it was biting here. So, I can, I mean, I'm in South Georgia, and it was biting here. So, I can only imagine what it was like in D.C. <laughs> no, it's definitely going to be cold up in Boston this weekend. Yes. And um, when you think of this game, uh, what do you – you think you're going to see an improvement from the defense, or because of these pieces are gone, will it get worse, or it was status quo? I want to say we're going to see a lot of the same that we've already seen, but teams after making like teams usually rally around situations like, like when the coach gets fired or where guys get traded or cut and something dramatic happened, teams rally around it. And the Patriots, even though they're at home, they're the perfect team to be playing in this spot because they're playing worse than you. Yes, yes, they did upset the Bills just two weeks ago. It did happen. But this is a 2-6 and six team that looks like a 2-6 and six team. They're not a good <laughs> football team. Mac Jones is throwing the ball to a bunch of Geico salesmen in New England right now. They yeah. don't have receivers that should really challenge the defense too much. And 
Mac Jones hasn't played inspiring football last year or this season thus far, and they don't really have a strong run game. Like it's very subpar. It's kind of like our run game. Like it they is. don't really they don't really lean on it at all. This is the team you get right against Washington. I should I should scoff. I mean, I should knock on wood when I say this because the last two struggling teams we played, the Bears and the Giants, both made us look silly when we got on the field with them. So it may be we're the elixir to their problems like we usually are, but I feel like this is a team we should actually get right on. But it's a Bill Belichick coach team, and I'm kind of afraid for Sam Howe just a little bit. Me too. Um, when you think of it, what's the what do you think the score is and who you think's winning? I'll say it's one of those ugliest defensive games where if we get the ball last, Sam's going to drive us to win by a field goal. Give me 20 to 17, Washington. We rally around him, and the new crew of edge rushers, Casey Tuhill and James Smith Williams, combined for a sack and a half on Sunday just to just to just to say, oh man, maybe maybe we just needed more scheme discipline on that side of the ball. <laughs> I, I I think it I like that score and I think it's gonna be that tight too. Um you're talking about Bill Belichick team that's really not they're not they're nothing uh that's gonna come out and they're gonna you know come out like uh you know, race horses and out try to outrun you uh, mm -hmm. offensively. Uh, they're going to slug it out. It's going to be a grind. And, uh, you know, we've seen this offense be explosive at times. And and Terry, he did some, as as usual, did some dog-like things, especially on that touchdown. Um, I, I expect him to be a little bit more on edge. He dropped those two balls. He feels like he should have had those. That could have been the difference in the game. It's going to be a lot of redemption, but I think it's going to be close. Three-point ball game. I'm going to go same same with you, same score. It's just going to be a slugfest, and it's just going to come down to who has the ball last and uh, who makes the bigger play on defense. It might be a Brian Robinson day. It might be a give him 24 carries kind of day. Does he got it in his bag? He does. <laughs> he does. And and I think another addition, another little tweak to that offensive line, they played quite well and they were allowing and opening up run lanes. EB just didn't want to do that, mm -hmm. <laughs> but they were opening up run lanes. And uh, if they can tweak just a, a one position, like I said, put, put Lucas at guard. And I think, we're going to see Brian Robinson hit the hole the way that he should be, because I think he's not doing that because he doesn't trust his offensive line. Yeah. And another thing EB did that made the Philly game work, getting the screen game, the quick game, getting it going. But what I do caution though, EB do not fall in love with it because the screens got redundant at some point, especially running screens out of bunch formation. When you have the receivers bunched up, it doesn't allow the receivers to have the separation to set up blocks to create running lanes for the receiver who's getting the screen. When you run a, a screen after running five screens in the last eight plays on third and five, they know the screen is coming. So exactly. running it out of bunch, they're stopping it as soon as the guy gets his hands on the ball. Don't fall in love and don't get redundant with it, man. Get in your bag, dig deep in your duffel, and show us what's in your arsenal, Eric Bianami, because you have a big opportunity these next nine weeks. Amen. Now, 
tell everybody, man, where they can follow you at. Like I said, uh, one of the best. He comes highly, highly recommended for my big brother, Lake Lewis. God knows his stuff. Tell them where they can find you at. Shout out to my guy, Lake, man. Love that dude, man. He's been like a big brother and a mentor to me as well. At Rio Robinson, at Rio underscore Robinson 91, Twitter and Instagram. I'm stirring the pot. I'm objective and I'm spicy with it. We like to talk. We keep it raw, unfiltered, objective, and for the fans. Always for the fans. That's what I am. Not in the media, but it's very media adjacent, the fan content creator community that we have, especially here in Washington, where there's a lot of guys doing things like this. Catch me on my YouTube channel, Rio Robinson on YouTube. We're trying to get to 10,000 subscribers on YouTube before the end of the season. I'm at 8,300 right now. Got about 1,700 more to go. And if you see me at FedEx Field or around any team events, just come holler at me. Yes, sir. And I, I'm with Lake. I, I, there's a room for fans uh, and the guys who do it are very knowledgeable. There are a lot of podcasts out there and they're very knowledgeable. They do a very good job. I catch a lot of them as well. And uh, I, there's a there's a place for you guys in that media room. Um, like I said, what you do, man, spot on. And Appreciate again, you. I this is why I brought you on because we talk all the time and as media we see things a little bit differently mm-hmm. and I want the fans to be able to hear from another fan how they feel about how the team is playing and, yeah. I, and that's why I believe there's plenty of space for us to be able to intermingle and you will be back on this show my friend let's do it man anytime brother yes sir thanks a lot I will be talking to you soon yes sir have a good one, man. You too. Man, great conversation about the Washington Commanders, and I really hope that uh, they can turn it around. I mean, just for the team itself. Uh, there's a lot going on, and we just hope they can do it. Yeah. On YouTube, you can go and subscribe and hit the bell so you know when we going live it is at the not bland show all one at the not bland show go to our facebook page the not bland show follow it we update with different things involving the nfl i love doing my uh you know seven things or i'll put some things out that happened history wise during nfl weekends didn't get a chance to do that this weekend because just so busy trying to put this show together Uh, For the people behind the scenes with this show, thank you so much. Without you, this is not possible. And uh, my guys do a great job of making me look good. Thank you, the viewer, for watching this show. Again, without you, there's nothing. Nothing. Family is in the building. I appreciate that. Love it when my family watches and supports me. But uh, yeah, we're nothing without you guys. So thank you. Again, I'm Dujane Bland. This is sport. This is the Napoli Show, powered by SportsJourney.com. We're out of here.